Welcome to Imposters, the show where I talk to world-class execs, athletes, and entertainers about their personal challenges and how overcoming those challenges has shaped their careers and lives for the better. I'm your host, Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. My guests today are Danielle Dubois and Whitney Tingle. In 2012, the Lifelong Friends founded Sakara Life, an organic meal delivery program focused on whole foods and science-backed nutrition. Last year, the company brought in over $150 million in revenue, and today the company is more of an overall lifestyle brand far beyond just meal delivery. But as you might have guessed, the road to success for Danielle and Whitney was not a smooth one. Both of them describe having reached a personal rock bottom before deciding to pursue entrepreneurship. And even though they had each other, getting their business off the ground was hard fought. My full conversation with Danielle Dubois and Whitney Tingle right after this quick break. Danielle and Whitney, welcome to Imposter. So good to have you guys. Thanks for having us, Alex. Thanks for having me here. So both of your stories as childhood friends that ultimately led to you guys creating a $150 million business is both incredibly inspiring. It's also a really unique story. As kids, did you two think you'd be creating Sakara together? That is such a funny question. And I think we're going to both say yes, right, Whit? I mean, I remember the first time we ever did a project together. Uh, I think it was, maybe it was eighth grade math class. And even from that moment, we worked so well together. I think even in that project, we were supposed to be working on a fake business or something (laughs) along those lines. Um, And then, you know, we spent the course of five years together playing year-round volleyball. Danielle was varsity captain. I was definitely not that great at volleyball, (laughs) but I I loved being on a team. Team player away. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that was really impactful on becoming partners together, building communication, building trust. I got this. No, you got it. And just all those years of being friends and having wild adventures, especially in the early days of New York City, really made an impact on getting to know each other on a really deep level. And that's important when you're business partners. And I mean, you guys have the amazing fortune of building trust over, you know, decades. I think back to my relationship with my co-founder, Austin, and I think about how that was both the most important choice I ever made, but also the luckiest choice I ever made because, you know, this guy became my co-founder in basically five weeks of knowing each other. And we had no idea what this was going to turn into. But you said something interesting before our conversation, which is that people mistake the two of you all the time. And it's funny because a similar type of thing is done for Austin and I. We both look like, you know, generic looking Jewish dudes from the Northeast. <laughs> and and but but the the interesting part is on the non-optic side, I would say Austin and I are incredibly different people as thinkers. And I think that's why we've worked so well together over the years. As you guys have grown as partners, have you noticed that the way that you both think tends to go in different directions or you're more similar than Austin and I? Like, How do you guys think differently or similarly from one another? I would say, you know, in a lot of ways, we think similarly like we speak telepathically, like there's so many ways that we communicate that we don't even have to say the words, which is so efficient and so Mm -hmm. helpful. 
Um, but there are kind of fundamentals that I'd say are different between the two of us. I'd say Whitney is always thinking about the long game, always thinking about the future, always making sure the decisions that we make now are with the future in mind where I'm more mercurial and I like change and I like to like push the boundaries and I don't like rules. And Whitney definitely has some of that too. These are not as divergent as they might sound. I'm just a little bit more conservative and hesitant. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas like Danielle's like, go, go. Yeah. Yeah. And we get to play off of those. And then I'd say the, the best thing is with that deep trust comes really profound communication and not just telepathically, but we understand each other in a way that we don't have to go explain ourselves. And I think it helps us. We do a lot, a lot of brainstorming together so that by the time our team hears something, we've gotten to work through it in our head and make sure we're really clear about like where we're going, what we're thinking, what we're doing, et cetera. Well, I want to, uh, in a minute, talk about how you guys have leaned on each other at different points of the journey. But for a second, I just want to isolate each of you individually and your journeys to getting to where you are today. Sakara's journey, just like any entrepreneurial journey, is one that is long and winding. Whitney, let's start with you. What was your journey to ultimately realizing Sakara's vision and mission? Well, so as you mentioned, Danielle and I grew up together. We were childhood friends, grew up in Sedona, Arizona. It's this small hippie spiritual town, kind of on the forefront of this new age thinking, mind, body, food, medicine, and people come there from all around the world in search of healing. So we had this really unique upbringing, very eccentric types of thinkers around us. Fast forward, we're both living in New York City. Danielle moved out there to go to school. I moved out there to work on Wall Street after school. Started my career at Merrill Lynch, thought I wanted to be a private banker. That was in 2008. Not a great year to be going into finance. Um, You know, crazy work environment, crazy work lifestyle. But I had been battling with cystic acne since puberty, I would say. And I had big, red, painful cysts all over my face that affected, you know, they were painful and they affected my skin, but they were also affecting my mental health, how I felt about myself, how I showed up in the world, how I felt walking into a, a room at work, how I felt walking into a room on a date, my love life, every aspect of my life. And I had tried literally everything out on the market. I bought everything off of the infomercials. I went to different types of doctors who put me on rounds and rounds of antibiotics. You know, I did tetracycline, aminocycline. I had a Z-pack in my dorm room desk drawer for when I had a breakout, I would take a Z-pack which is, you know, what they give you for pneumonia, like a big antibiotic bomb to your system. And they put me on birth control pills, different hormone pills. None of that worked. I did Accutane, which is a really serious drug. Along with the Accutane, they put me on Prozac because suicide can be a side effect. They had me sign a contract saying that if I were to get pregnant, I would get an abortion because my baby would come out with birth defects. And, you know, I kind of hit this rock bottom moment where I had seen all these different doctors, you know, I was paying hundreds of dollars for five minutes to sit in this doctor's chair. And they just wanted to hand me another prescription for a mega round of antibiotics. And I had just like had enough, enough of all the prescriptions, enough of searching outside for the answer. 
And this voice inside of me was screaming, just don't do it. It's not the answer. You need to look inside what is going on on the inside that is creating these symptoms on your face. I needed to find the root cause. And so in that moment, I turned back to my roots, back to my Sedona roots, back to my best friend to figure out what was the answer and turn to food and nutrition as my solution. And, you know, we, I would say, hit a rock bottom together. And we're both really grateful that we had each other once again. Um, my story is different. I knew I always wanted to work in medicine. I moved to New York City to, to study medicine. And it was about five years in, I was interning at a hospital up in St. Luke's, Harlem. And I had been doing it for about a year. And I was working with a cardiologist that saw it was a free clinic. So we were seeing, you know, a very underserved population, one. Two, we were seeing people who had late stage lifestyle diseases. So things like dialysis or where surgery was their only option. And I had this aha moment because it was a convergence of two things for me. One, I wanted to go into medicine to help people feel better. And two, I had been dealing with my own issues around food and health. I'd been dieting my entire life which after about 15 years of dieting left me with lots of gut disorders, which they all just bucket under IBS and have no idea what to do with you. And that's like the conventional medical approach. And so those two things brought me to this aha moment. I needed so much healing to do around food. Seeing these patients that had late stage lifestyle diseases, wondering who got to them before they were late stage lifestyle disease. Just thank God for conventional medicine that was you know, helping these people at least have a more comfortable life. But you know, by even the term lifestyle diseases, you can affect the disease by changing your lifestyle. So who was helping them do that? And then I needed so much help. And I was five years in at this point, had never taken a nutrition course. And I was like, I wanna get back to what we grew up in, this understanding of food as medicine and like mind-body medicine as well. Like what's your emotional connection to your plate? Do you understand that nourishment is important? Do you even know how to nourish? Because diets, by the way, taught me that I should count calories and carbs and points and pounds and how I looked was all I was solving for, not how I was feeling. So that's where I kind of diverged on my traditional medical path. Um, I went on to study nutrition and I'm currently getting my master's in functional medicine as well. And it put me on this mission to understand how to not only think about preventative healthcare, but also for those people who are dealing with lifestyle diseases, where do these start? You know, especially 10 years ago, some of the science is just coming out about the microbiome and how to heal the gut. So we said, okay, we know food is medicine. We know the number one predictor to a healthy gut is getting enough plants, um, enough high quality plants into your diet. Let's try this on ourselves. So we did, we created this meal program, made breakfast, lunch, and dinner for each other following what we now call our nutrition pillars. And it completely transformed our lives in the most dramatic of ways and I'd say, you know, for me, I finally realized that I had been so worried about what not to eat and what I looked like that I forgot that food is there to make me feel better and food is about nourishment. And for Whitney, like for the first time I saw, I personally saw the inflammation in her skin go down and we realized she didn't have a skin problem. She had a gut problem. So we thought if we could help one other person transform their lives, even a little bit, it would be such a blessing. So we did. We started with one person. 
we cooked for them, delivered on our bicycles, which sounds so quaint, but it was actually really hard work. <laughs> and where <laughs> was this? Where, where, where were you guys originally delivering on bicycles? All over New York City. In yeah. the dead of winter, you know, we just did it. I will give that to it. And I like, if we put our minds to something, we'll- We got grit. We'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll keep going. Whitney and Danielle's tenacity has certainly paid off. Today, Sakara has kitchens in both Long Island City, New York and Gardena, California, and their sales have grown by 60% every year for the past three years. We're gonna take a quick break here, but when we come back, we'll hear about what marked the major turning points for Sakara's success, as well as what makes Danielle and Whitney's relationship as co-CEOs work so well. Stay with us. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And we're back. Before the break, we heard about the low points that drove Danielle and Whitney to create Sakara and what some of those early days were like. But what I was really curious to know was what was the moment that they knew that they would succeed? What was the inflection point for you guys? Uh, and I'd love to hear each of your answers to see if they're different. The point at which it went from we're solving our own problem and facing the challenges that we'd been dealing with for a long time to oh, wow, like this is actually something that can serve millions of people. And just as an example, like for Morning Brew, the the example was the first time I saw a stranger reading our newsletter on a New York City subway. Mm -hmm. That wasn't my grandma or my mom. Uh, so I'd love to hear <laughs> from you guys. What was that point? I'd say there are a couple. So I'll leave one for you, Rick, because I'm sure we have the same <laughs> ones. But um, I'd say one of the most meaningful ones was we got a testimonial very early on. And the testimonials would always come at the point where we were like, what are we doing with our lives? Like we're cooking all night for we people. We can't we're do delivering this. All morning. This isn't going to work. We're, yeah, we're like CS people. We're <laughs> the finance function. We're like, we like, what are we doing? We didn't have any employees yet. It was just us. We had like fake pen names so we could escalate problems if we had to. It was mayhem and madness. And then I remember one of our first testimonials, which we're about to have our... 10 year anniversary or we're, it's right now, I guess. And it's amazing. we should reach out to him. With, I've been thinking about this, but we should reach yeah. out to him. Um, Cause it was one of the first ones where I was like, this is so much bigger than we could have even fathomed. And it was this man who he wrote us an essay and he said, I've been traveling all over the world looking for a solution to the type of cancer he had. He had a specific cancer that was cancer of the, your nerve sheaths, which you can imagine is incredibly painful. It's literally your nerves with tumors. And he said it was clear that lowering inflammation really helped with his pain. So he went all over the world. He did all these medical retreats. He saw the top doctors. And he said, I've been on your program for three months and I've never felt better. I've gotten off of several medications. So much of my pain is down. So much of my inflammation is down. And it was this aha moment of this is one person's story. You know, when we set out to do this, we felt like we were going to find people that were some version of our own stories. 
And it was this realization that everyone's going to have their own reckoning, their own reason why they're ready for this transformation, why they are so desperate to take their health into their own hands. Sometimes it's as unfortunate as cancer. And sometimes it's, I just like crave that feeling of feeling like my best self. And I haven't felt that way, or I'm a new mother, or I'm dealing with autoimmune disease. And then it was just like testimony after testimonial would show us that we can meet people where they are. It doesn't matter what you're going through. This is a tool in your toolkit to help you feel really good. And that was, we were having a dark day that day. And I remember riding in the taxi cab together, just being like, oh, we can't do this anymore. Like, it's just too much. And then opening up our email, seeing that email and just crying, being like, this is a message sent from the universe telling us we have to keep going. People need us to continue to bring this out into the world. And it's really what has kept us going over the years is remembering that this isn't about us as entrepreneurs, about trying to be a success, but really about being in service to others. I love that. Before we move on uh, to uh, the next question, Whitney, do you have uh, a story of your own when you felt like there, there was a major inflection point in the business where you knew this was going to be something that could help millions of people? After we got our first press hit, that was pretty big. I think we didn't know the power of press. We thought it it would just be cool, a, a great way to get our name out and whatnot. We had gotten this girl's business card randomly and had saved it. I mean, Danielle and I had collected business cards since, you know, living in New York City. This was over a decade ago, so the business cards still existed then. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't even know what (laughs) those are. RIP business cards. (laughs) Um, But we put them in plastic Ziploc bags. And when we were like, all right, let's do this. This is going to be a business. We pulled those like out of drawers and dumped them on the floor and looked through and found this girl's business card. And it was one I had collected and Danielle grabbed it and she was like, okay, email this girl. I'm like, I don't know her. I don't, I, I don't even, I had never even met her. I just got this card. She was like, do it. And I'm like, no, I can't. So she grabs the computer and she emails and she's like, Hey girl, great to meet you or good to see you. Um, hope you've been well, wanted to catch you up on what we've been up to started this business. Think you'd be into it. You know, let's meet up or something just super casual. Meanwhile, she was the lead editor for New York City for Daily Candy, which another RIP. Wow. But the girl responded and was like, wow, sounds super cool. Let's meet up. And so we met up with her. We told her about what we were doing. She said she wanted to try it. And we were still like our only employees. So we cooked her the meals. We delivered them to her at 8 a.m., which she was not expecting to see us show up knocking at her door at 8 a.m., Um, We had a delivery team. Yeah. And we were like, you know, we just wanted it to get there perfectly to you and make sure it arrived. Meanwhile, we had no delivery (laughs) Yeah, people. Um, But she loved it and she decided to write about it. And I remember that day that the article hit because Danielle sent me a text message like, oh my God, did you see the emails? And my heart dropped. And I was like, oh my gosh, did somebody like get food poisoning or something? And I opened up my computer and it was just page after page of how do I sign up? I want to do this. Let's talk about your guys' relationship. What's a moment or two in your journey, whether it's professionally or personally, where you realized how grateful you are to have one another? Are you just going to make us cry right now on this podcast? (laughs) Oh man, I mean, there's so many. I mean, 
like literally, no, it's every, literally day. every day. Like there's just there's so we both have kids now, so we've both been through each other's maternity leave. <laughs> it's so painful, as you just. Um, it's like not having your right arm or left arm, depending whichever arm is dominant for you. It's like, you know, there's a way in which I feel as though decisions are best when they go through both of our brains. And I just know that for Sakara. And so when I'm missing her because she's out or sick or whatever, it's like, I desperately miss her input and her strategic thinking and how smart she is. And, you know, she's always, always like, she's never afraid of the details, one, which I'm not afraid of them. I just don't think they always matter. <laughs> and, you Same. know, it's, yeah. And it's, um, you know, there's like so many examples of where her tenacity has gotten us here. Like I remember early on, she discovered that there was this way, if you were a, a young business in New York City, you could get free legal. And, but to do it, you had to like fill out all, it was basically like a grant. And I was like, oh my God, let's just pay for legal. This is like so ridiculous. And she like stayed up all night and just did it. And then we got approved. And then for two years, we had like the best free legal team at like Kirkland or something. Like top legal team. And it saved us like hundreds of thousands of dollars. They actually completed our, um, first we were at Kirkland and then we got a second grant and we moved to Curtis Malay, who is another massive New York city law firm. Yeah, These are firms that are charging these are know, like top thousands of dollars an hour. Firms. Yeah. Yes. And they gave us a bill at the end of it that was zeroed out, but to show us how much it would cost, it was a quarter of a million dollars oh my in legal God. fees. So, you know, that's worth, unreal, but we wouldn't have been able to afford it. Otherwise, you know, we bootstrap the business ourselves. We don't come from wealthy family backgrounds. We didn't have, you know, daddies or boyfriends to bankroll us. Like we built everything from scratch, from the ground up and through hustle. So sometimes it takes a little extra work and a, a little extra effort, but in the end it pays off. Okay. I want to finish up with your guys's mental wellness toolkit. So I want you to share with me when you're going through a funk, whether it's a funk professionally, personally, and you're just trying to get yourself out of it. What are three things that help you get out of your funk? Uh, Danielle, I'll let you go first and then Whitney. Having my food and my nutrition taken care of, because I can forget to take care of myself too, just because I, you know, I own a health company doesn't mean that, you know, it's always my number one priority. And in fact, it isn't always my number one priority. And that's why I am my own best customer. And it's really important to me because quality input is quality output. And we teach this a lot at Sakara. And so, you know, I live by that. I don't just talk about it. So when my nutrition is taken care of, it saves me so much thought. And coming home to that breakfast, lunch, and dinner cadence is transformative for me. I'd say the other, there's two other things. One is sometimes when you're so head down, I feel like you need perspective. So the, the two things that help give me perspective are one, some form of art. Like I really appreciate people's creativity and, you know, it's almost like this connection to spirit or this connection to something bigger than ourselves. So whether it's going to a museum or I live in the Lower East Side, there's lots of incredible young creative people down there. I immerse myself. And then the other thing is um, 
We just had Marion Williamson actually on the Sakara Life podcast. It hasn't launched yet, but we just interviewed her and I've been a huge fan of her for a really long time. Um, I actually have her book here. She actually ran for president back in 2020, but she wrote a book called A Return to Love. And it literally is a return to love. And so when you're, her whole thing is like, you're either walking in love or you're walking in fear at all times. It's very black and white and there's actually no in between. So when I'm feeling off, it's usually because I'm walking in fear. And so how do you reorient yourself to walking in love? And one of the things I strive toward is trusting the flow of the universe and, and trusting that things are happening as they should and because they should. And this book in particular is one of those things that helps me come home to that. I love that. Whitney, how about yours? I would definitely agree with Danielle about having my food and nutrition taken care of as number one. I think our physical bodies impact our mental stress and our mental health. You know, what you put into your body affects everything from your hormone levels, which affect your moods, to your gut health and your microbiome, which is the epicenter of your health. 70% of your immune system, 90% of your serotonin is created in the gut, not in the brain, travels up your vagus nerve into your brain. So what you eat affects your happiness levels. It affects your energy levels, how you show up at work, your brain clarity, just everything. So making sure that I have that baseline nutrition covered. So I, yeah, meals and nutrition, number one for me. Sleep, I'd say is number two. Getting seven to eight hours of sleep every night. It's hard for me to do. I have a two-year-old and he doesn't always sleep through the night. He also has type one diabetes. So, you know, multiple nights I'm up dealing with blood sugar issues. And if I'm feeling stressed and my mental health is out of whack, I have to take the steps that I need, whether that's asking for help, asking my husband for help, asking a family member for help, asking Danielle and my team for help so that I can try to get that eight hours of sleep. Just like waking up the next day rested makes a world of difference. And then I'd say getting time in nature, like walking outside, putting my feet on the ground, you know, grounding, reconnecting with the energy wavelengths of the planet, walking next to the beach, if possible, getting those negative ions it automatically reduces my stress levels and improves my mood without having to do anything. This has been awesome, guys. Thank you so much for talking about your journey and you know, more importantly than your business success, which has been obviously incredibly impressive with Sakara. I've just been blown away by the relationship um, and mutual respect that you guys have for each other. So thank you so much for sharing your story and your business's story. Thanks so much, Alex. Really Thanks for having it. us. Whitney and Danielle are an amazing example of what a healthy co-founder and co-CEO partnership can look like. Sure, they have the advantage of having been best friends since seventh grade, but that alone doesn't guarantee success. Rather, it seems that they have a keen awareness of one another's strengths in a way that helps them to not only utilize them successfully, but also to appreciate one another in a deep way. It seems that this, coupled with their determination and the poignant reminders they've received along the way of Sakara's true mission to help as many people as they can improve their lives through health and nutrition, has led Sakara to the incredible success that it has today. Now, Imposters listeners, we need your help. We would love to hear from you on how the conversations on imposters have impacted your life. 
How does this show help you in your career or your personal life? Are there any particular guests or episodes that have stood out to you? And tell me the stuff that you haven't liked, where you want the show to get better. Our goal is simple. We want to make this as valuable as humanly possible and make the show worthy of your time. So shoot me an email at alex at morningbrew.com and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Imposters is a production of Morning Brew. Our senior producer is Vishnu Vallabhaneni and Makila Heck is our producer. Brian Henry is our executive producer and A.B. Silver is our booking producer. Our sound engineers are Dan Bauza and Rosemary Minkler. Greg Jacobs is our video producer and Sarah Singer is our VP of Multimedia. Our theme song is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Original music in this episode is by Rosemary Minkler.